Welcome back to the Wizard Staff. I'm your host, Guy. And I'm Blake. And we are two drunk novices who like to talk about EDH. We drink and swear, so you've been warned. Please drink responsibly when you're talking about children's card games. Tonight, we are doing another pregame episode, but this time it's not going to be so much focused around the EDH game itself, but it's going to be focused around the Magic the Gathering lore, specifically around Theros. <sighs> We're doing this because Theros Beyond Death will be the first set released for Magic the Gathering in 2020. And if Whoa. you are somewhat nerdy and even nerdier and want to get into the lore of Magic the Gathering, we're going to kind of give you a little pre-synopsis of what has happened and what you might want to expect for what's coming. Yeah, can I just say like this is episode is perfect for me because I was not playing when Theros occurred and so I actually don't know like the lore. I just know like some cards had constellation on them and I don't know any of the background. <laughs> I just know it's about enchantments. Do you pay attention to the lore much outside of most of the sets or is it just kind of like you pick up a few things here and there? Like I pick up a few things here and there. I'll watch the occasional lore video. I'm trying to get better about learning what the lore is. I maybe it's just because I'm new, but I struggle to find information about lore. Like it's in books that I don't own or it's on online articles that are kind of hard to find. So this episode is like, I think half for the listeners and half for us because I don't actually know what happens in Theros aside from like a few characters doing a few stuff. Recently, within like the last two years, the lore has been easier for me to find because especially when we did like the War of the Spark, I was trying to like familiarize myself with like what's happened because that was such a big event and so much happened beforehand. But it did take me several videos and several Wikipedia articles to kind of like piece together <laughs> as best as I could of what happened on the original Theros cycle of blocks. Because back then it was also three sets on one plane, but now we're only doing one set per plane. And for Theros Beyond Death, it's actually a smaller set, so we won't get as many cards as we would for a larger standard legal set. So it's kind of like the final chapter, I guess, to the story we're about to tell. Yeah, dive right into it. Alright, so Theros is a plane governed by the gods of Nyx, where heroes face monsters. It is defined by mankind's struggle against the primal forces of the world, and mankind's conflict with many other sapient races that populate the world. It consists of three main realms. The normal sunlit world, where there are three major cities that make up the polis, Melitus, Akros, and Cetesis. Then you have Nyx, a paranormal realm associated with dreams and the subconscious. It is a literal 
in proverbial night sky or the plains deities realm. And the underworld, a subterranean realm beneath the river that rings the world where the dead end up and dwell. The river that rings the world is five rivers that form a boundary between Theros and the underworld. Theros is watched over by a pantheon of gods. They may take on many forms and walk among the mortals. Each has their own unique color identity. The five colors of magic make up the central pillars of the Theosian belief system. We have white, represented in Heliod, who is Zeus. We have Thassa, who is blue, which is represented by Neptune. We have Erebos, who is black, represented by Hades. Perforos, who is Hephaestus, the god of fire, if you didn't know anything about Greek mythology. I was going to say, like, I'm going to go out on a leap limb here, but it sounds like this is centered around Greek mythology. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you have Nyla, who is green and is represented by Artemis. Gods, however, are not permanent constructs. They are born out of favor. If enough mortals believe in something, it will give space for a new god on the Pantheon. If enough mortals no longer believe, begin to believe in an aspect of the world, the god will weaken and cease to exist. All of the gods reside in Nyx, except for Erebos. When Heliod was born, so was Erebos, for the first light casts the first shadow. Instead of accepting Erebos into Nyx, Heliod restrained him into the underworld to watch over the dead. Then you have ten minor gods who each represent a two-color pairing. Quick question. Uh, do you know like if the remaining like minor gods are also based on Greek gods? Yes. Each of the gods is either represented directly from a Greek god or... They are kind of a mix of two gods. I know that like the god of harvest is meant to be Persephone and her mother kind of mixed into one. I forget what the mom's name is for that god, but sure. the gods of Theros do almost parallel with the actual Greek mythology gods. Cool. I just wanted to know if that included the minor gods. Go ahead. Now we're going to get into the original story, which revolves around two planeswalkers, Elspeth and Xenagos. And where I can, you know, to spice it up a little, I'm going to try and throw in some Disney references. I watched Hercules <laughs> just today so I could, like, refresh myself. And you're probably going to hear some, like, Disney music in the background, too. Just want to throw that out there. Disney, please don't, like, you know, shut us down or anything, but... Copyright, strike. Copyright, copyright, copyright. Banned mm-hmm. forever. The first Planeswalker that we're going to talk about is Elspeth, a mono-white Planeswalker whose original home is New Phyrexia. When she was younger, she had a spark. That brought her to Theros for the first time. When she was here, she came into the middle of a fight between Perforos and Heliod. During this fight, Heliod dropped one of his weapons, and Elspeth planeswalks away with it. <laughs> Just steals it. Pretty much. Many years later, 
she returns to Theros and seeks a life of peace. However, she is confronted by Heliod for believing that she had purposely stole his weapon. So, kind of like, you know, in Hercules where he goes to the temple of Zeus and Zeus is like, my son, my boy, you know, he's like really happy to see his child that he like lost so long ago. He's really bombastic. Yeah, but in this story, Heliod's like super pissed that he's like, oh my god, and he's like about to kill Elspeth. As a planeswalker, Elspeth has the power to withstand Heliod's wrath, but he becomes impressed by this and transforms the sword that she had stolen into Godsend, a magical spear. And he tells her to travel to Miletus, one of the three main cities, so that she can become his champion. So she sets off on this journey. The other planeswalker that we have to focus this story around is Xenagos, who is a satyr. But unlike Danny DeVito, this satyr likes to party hard. <laughs> oh, you don't think you don't think par- you don't think Danny DeVito parties hard? Well, in Hercules, he doesn't party hard. In real life, I bet Danny DeVito does party pretty hard. <laughs> On Theros, satyrs love to party. So, growing up, Xenagos wanted to become worshipped and enter the godhood so that he could party and laugh among the gods into their own faces. The oracles of Theros believed that Xenagos was destined for greatness, and Xenagos actually sparked because he partied too hard. Oh my god, that's so cool. Yeah, it's not normally because... Normally, you planeswalk because something traumatic happened to you. Something really life-changing just ignited a spark in you, and you disappeared. But for Xenagos, he probably just drank one too many and then was like, Oh my god, where am I? Alright, guy, we need to finish our drinks right now and find as much booze as we possibly can and ignite our sparks. (laughs) Okay, okay. No. (laughs) So when Xenagos planes walked away, he traveled the multiverse only to kind of come to the sense that he really doesn't mean much in the grand scheme of things in this multiverse. So he returned to Theros and conceived a plan that would allow him to ascend into godhood. And he begins performing rituals that ultimately mess with the balance between Nyx and the mortal realm on Theros, and the gods begin to take notice. And Heliod, the main god of Theros, takes notice and blames Perforos, and the two begin a war with Melitus in the middle of it. But Crufix, another minor god, steps in and performs silence which makes all the gods retreat back to Nyx so that they can consult and confront each other about the problems without having to harm the mortals. So Elspeth arrives at Miletus and challenges Polychronus, the world eater, similar to how, you know, Hercules shows up and he has to like <laughs> fight the one Hydra. Hydra, so, yeah. Yeah, she fights a Hydra, and she defeats him with the help of Daxos. 
He becomes her mentor, and the two fall in love and reside in Heliot's temple with Elspeth as Heliot's new son champion. That's a card, also. <laughs> so during the silence, Xenagos persuades Mogus's Minotaurs to attack Akros, which is another city in Theros. Okay. These Minotaurs already had a hatred for the polis, the combination of the three cities. So it doesn't take much persuasion. Without the gods there to protect, the Minotaurs storm Akros. Desperate, they call upon the help of the other two cities, Melitus and Setessa, to keep the Minotaurs from destroying Akros. The cities are successful in protecting, in protecting Akros, and they have a major celebration. Another party. Another party. But secretly, this was all according to Xenagos' plan. Oh, Tricky. Fucker. Yeah, fuck him. So, he uses this celebration as layaway for the great revel, his ritual to ascend into godhood. During this party, he uses magic to also manipulate Elspeth into killing Daxos. And Xenagos is able to complete his transformation and become the god of revels. Why did he have to kill Daxos using Elspeth? I don't know. I think it just <laughs> kind of adds to the traumatic events. It, it, it just seems kind of like extra at that point he's extra the pantheon of gods are horrified at this outcome escalating conflict further between the gods and mortals heliod blames elspeth for this allowing to happen and during his rage she flees into the woods to escape however she does not planeswalk away for she vows to destroy xenagos and avenge daxos while in the woods she runs into a familiar face Ajani. Ajani says oh. that he will help Elspeth in her quest to kill Xenagos. The two travel to visit the merfolk and they bring them to the Temple of Crufix. Elspeth and Ajani are able to ascend into Nyx by completing a trial by Erebos, the god of the dead, right. who had tempted Elspeth with the promise of a peaceful life with Daxos in the underworld. She resisted this knowing that there was much greater stakes at risk. So, she has proven that she is a true hero. Now in Nyx, Ajani and Elspeth find that the newfound god of rebels is torturing the other gods. Elspeth right. and Ajani attack Senegos and kill him with the godforged weapon, Godsen. Now with the pantheon restored, Ajani and Elspeth set off to return back to the mortal plane. Quick little battle there. Sorry to kind of like glaze over it, but I was having a lot of trouble finding out you know exactly how that went down it kind of just seemed war. yeah it just kind of seemed like they got there and elspeth was able to stab him so woo stabby stab all right but as they retreat or return to the mortal realm heliod fears elspeth as a planeswalker and decides to kill her in a moment of weakness using her own weapon against her godsend yes ajani is ordered to take Elspeth back to the mortal place so that Erebos may take her into the underworld. Angry at Heliod's betrayal, Ajani goes on to shit-talk Heliod to everyone in Theros <laughs> to ultimately lead to his despise, or we hope, because 
Ajani soon found himself traveling to Kaladesh to j- then join the Gatewatch and then take on Nicol Bolas and War of the Sparks. <laughs> so it was kind of like he started to do something, but then it's like, uh, like I have this going on, but like now I need to do this. <laughs> one one kind of takes precedent over the other. He's gonna like he's it's gonna be like three months later. And he's like, I knew there, there's something I need to do. What was it? And then hmm. he'll be like, he'll be like doing the dishes. He'll be like, oh fuck, I forgot. And at that point, you know, the story will probably be done anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right, but so some important things to note. But as Elspeth died, she made a deal with Erebos. What exactly is this deal? We're not a hundred percent sure, since we don't know what Erebos asked of Elspeth, but we do know that. Elspeth asked Erebos to have Daxos revived and returned to Theros fully restored. Normally, when one returns from the underworld, they come back as a returned, which is pretty much a zombie. So anyone in the underworld can actually leave the underworld, but when they come back, they have to wear a golden mask, and that just represents that you've died and you're now a empty hollow shell of what you were you have no memories and you're just kind of someone who is lost without a purpose so it's sad it is sad but it makes daxos a little more significant as he is the first mortal to return from the underworld and has kept his memories Oh, so that's the whole deal with, like, Daxos, and then there's the other card, Daxos, the Returned King, and he has, like, a gold mask, and he, like, cares about enchantments or whatever. Yes. Huh. I think. All right. So for the upcoming set, just kind of theorizing, the main conflict will probably revolve around the rivalry between Erebos and Heliod. Their struggle goes farther than a battle of light and dark, but also about truth and what it means to be a god. Where you see, Erebos is not necessarily the god of death, but the god of the dead, immortality and accepting one's fate. That is why he wields mastics, the golden whip, to bring those who are reluctant into dying into the underworld. So the conflict between Erebos and Heliod matters more about how Heliod is deceiving the mortals for favor, creating a false idol and god, for no one can become more powerful than him, which is why it would be so damning for Elspeth to make her return and spread the truth about Heliod and how she fucking stabbed him in the back. End of story. I mean, it's kind of like how Hercules at the end is able to ascend into godhood, and again, he's, like, welcomed by everyone. But then it would just Mm -hmm. be, like, really shitty if, like, you know, his dad, like, stabbed him and was just, like, no, no one can become more powerful than me. And yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like in actual like Greek mythology, Zeus is like a dick to put it lightly even. So like, it makes sense that Heliod's a dick too. I mean, he basically has like his twin brother like locked in the basement while he's just like partying like the on the living room and like the second floor. And it's like, he has his brother chained in the basement. It's like, fuck you, bro. Yeah, I mean, Disney does make it everything seem a lot more peachy. Lighthearted. Yep, yeah. lighthearted, peachy. It'll definitely be interesting to see what comes out of this set and story-wise, you know, who prevails. And there's even some theories that, like, Gideon will become the new sun god, for he's, like, 
truly a hero, but like, I feel like that might be a little much. I don't know. Yeah, we are recording this um, episode before the Theros Beyond Death set releases, so we're not going to talk about any of our spoilers in this episode. We just generally don't talk about spoilers in general. Well, you can look forward to the set review after this one. Yeah, that is a good point. Even at this point, we haven't even seen official spoilers. We've only seen those leaks that came out of, and we're not going to... We're going to talk about leaks. Nope, we're not going to talk about leaks. So, it is going to be interesting to see how everything plays out together as a set. Instead of just what what we've kind of seen on the market. Yeah, I know people are talking about Gideon... Like going from a planeswalker to um, an indestructible god enchantment, but I wonder if that will be Elspeth, and maybe not. I don't know. Like maybe I don't know enough about the lore, and if I knew more about the lore, I would know. Like, oh, that's not going to happen. But I, I think know. part of it is more people think Elspeth is going to join the Gatewatch as the mono white planeswalker, and oh. Gideon now being dead will only be the god of theros the mono white god but i mean it would kind of feel like a shame if they did that to gideon only at the end of the block for theros it it wouldn't really give him much time and it it probably wouldn't be another like four or five years before we would return to theros again to really see you know gideon as a god so it would also kind of defeat the it would also kind of defeat the purpose of like gideon died and like he got the card like in that spellbook thing, like rested in peace, and it has a statue of him. And then, like, oh, just kidding, he's back and like alive, and now he's a Theros god. Like, eh, that would just kind of ruin that card personally for me. He is kind of he is kind of like the Superman of the Magic: The Gathering universe. And I mean, if you know yeah. anything about Superman, but Superman dies several times, but it's like not really that spoilers big of a deal because he comes back <laughs> pretty quickly and Always. this is this isn't even in like the justice league movies but this has just been like a thing forever it's like they'll <laughs> kill off superman but he'll probably stay dead for a short amount of time nobody so, actually dies in the mtg universe <laughs> yeah so i wouldn't doubt that we would eventually see gideon's return i think it's just a matter of when we would see Gideon's return. And I think it wouldn't feel great to see his return so shortly after his death. But maybe in four or five years, it would mean a lot more to people. I feel like I've learned a lot, even though I'm half drunk. We got another episode to record. So thank you very much for listening. Uh, We hope you had a great time. You can find us at twitter at wizardstaff101 you can send us an email at the wizardstaff101 at gmail.com we are, are on facebook and youtube you can find us on spotify and itunes please leave us a like and a comment and we hope you had a great time peace, peace.